Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job on Blue Wire. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and today I am joined by Mendy co-founder and CEO, Rachel Rapino. Mendy provides CBD products that help athletes achieve better long-term health and wellness and stay on top of their game. Rachel talks about her time as a professional soccer player, finding the balance between work and family when working with her sister, Megan, and the importance of letting go of perfection to move forward. It was inspiring and fun talking with Rachel, and I know you guys will love this one. So with that, let's get to it. Rachel, thank you so much for joining me today for Get My Job. Thank you, Tracy, for having me. I'm pumped to be on the show. Well, we are very, very excited to have you. You have been, you've started a a fantastic company with your sister, Megan, and I think it's a company that's helping a lot of people and a lot of athletes. Uh, It's called Mendy. And really to jump right in, I would like you to tell our listeners just really all about Mendy and what it is and what was the impetus to get it off the ground. Cool. Well, I'll try not to be too long-winded. Uh, I can talk about my company for days, but I guess, you know, in essence, we got tons of time. Go for it. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah, Mindy was spawned because, you know, athletes need healthier recovery tools, um, you know, it's specifically pro athletes, because that's, that's kind of what my identity was for a while. And that's where, you know, a lot of my community is, but really it's like for the broader active person is people need better long-term health and wellness solutions to stay on top of their game. There's a lot of great natural whole plant products out there and cannabis is one of them. And we believe in this plant. Um, So our product line is all hemp derived and we include, you know, formulations with other whole plants, but essentially we're here to improve athletes' lives using nature's best tools. Um, So if we're not doing that, we're not doing our job. Well, that seems fair. Um, did, was this something that helped you as an athlete and gave you the idea to start it yourself? Or was it something you kind of saw as you looked at uh, your colleagues and, and teammates, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, this was a need that, you know, I did not really become aware of until after I had retired and I was in my performance training career as a coach here in Portland. And then my sister and I had a national training business. And, you know, it was something that I reflected back on um, during the course of my career. And I wish that I had been introduced to cannabis when I was younger because I was definitely riddled with injuries. And um, part of it was like the nutrition piece. I wasn't educated enough on what to put in my body and how to fuel my body because that obviously makes a huge difference. But recovery is so important for, to optimize performance, whether you're a professional athlete or whether you're just someone that, you know, works at a computer all day. Um, if you are recovered properly, then your performance will be better the next day. So, you know, with more science coming out and with me, you know, kind of reflecting back on my career and watching other athletes, um, you know, go through their health and wellness process, 
it, you know, it's become pretty clear that like the status quo for pain management in sports is messed up. Athletes have been given these meds, some of them worse than others, opiates, obviously on one end of the spectrum, but even like these high anti-inflammatory pills or just over-the-counter meds, like they don't promote internal health and wellness. They don't really do anything for the long run. In fact, they they are harmful for the long run. And in the short term, they may block some pain receptors, but it's not actually like promoting recovery. It's just masking the problem. And, you know, once I started doing more research on cannabis and then I started gathering my own anecdotal evidence and using it myself and seeing other athletes use it, um, you know, the genie is out of the bottle. It's definitely a known thing that cannabis is so much healthier for you than a lot of other meds. And it is such a great recovery tool. Um, we just need a little bit more education on it as a society and athletes need to be educated a little bit more on it. But, you know, I would say the majority of athletes have been using it for quite some time now. So kind of along those lines, uh, in terms of education, when you guys started the business, did you face any pushback or were people pretty receptive to what you were doing? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, cannabis is definitely still stigmatizing sports, not as much as it was 10 years ago, maybe, which is when I was playing, because I'm 34. So, you know, I was playing in my early 20s, mid 20s, I retired at 26. I, you know, had my first surgery at age 20. That was when I started using or I was prescribed opiates, which is the case for a lot of athletes. So I would say like back in those days and early 2000s, uh, you know, and beyond, it would definitely was stigmatized more. But, you know, we started Mindy, we started concepting Mindy about three years ago. And it really came to light solely because there was a need for it. I was seeing other athletes in my ecosystem using some of these cannabis products as a recovery tool. But they didn't know why. They didn't know any of the why, any of the science behind it. They didn't know what doses they were using. They didn't know if they were taking marijuana-derived CBD, hemp-derived CBD, what the difference was. They just knew that they felt better mm-hmm. taking those products rather than like over-the-counter meds or NSAIDs. Um, so many, our, our story definitely spawned from a need. And you know, now, fast forward three years later, the stigma's still there, but we're definitely not getting pushback from athletes. It's really just a matter of getting these front offices to understand that this is so much better for their athletes. And they're, and really, if they want to take care of their athletes, they need to lift these bands. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Can you give us a little bit of an idea, and then I'm going to switch gears somewhat, but a little bit of an idea of your various products and you know how they're used? And I only ask these questions. They're very novice questions, but like you said, we want to educate people more and have them understand. So I, I want to, I'm asking some questions that are as if a person really had no idea about anything because some people don't. And, and I do want to make sure we educate people. No, definitely. I don't think, you know, there's no question that's a stupid question. And I think especially in the cannabis space, there needs to be more education because I think a lot of consumers and like I said, athletes are very confused, you know, about the product line and like when to use what product at what time and like what makes you high and what doesn't. So Mm-hmm. Um, super happy to talk about this. So we came to market again with a hemp derived recovery line and hemp is federally legal. The, the, the farm bill passed in 2018. So we're, as opposed to marijuana, that's not federally legal, but it's legal in like 12 states and 33 states have legal medical marijuana programs. Um, so ours is hemp. 
And we actually came to market with a CBD only line. And what that means is we have extracted all the THC from that hemp plant and 99% of the other cannabinoids. Because in the hemp plant, there's over 100 different cannabinoids. CBD is just one of 100, and it's like the hot one. It's actually one that everyone wants to talk about. But there are a lot of other great cannabinoids out there that work wonderful for your body. Um, but ours is CBD only. And we did that because WADA, the World Anti-Doping Agency, lifted just the CBD ban. So you can't have any – if you're an Olympic athlete or anyone following suit with WADA's policies, you can technically only use CBD. If you're using other cannabinoids and or THC, technically you would, you would, you would get a ban. Um, what's interesting though, is like you can't actually test for those other cannabinoids. You can test for THC, but you can't test for CBD and you can't test for the other cannabinoids. So um, it, you know, it's interesting that they did that. But with that being said, we wanted to follow suit and we want to make sure that we steer athletes in the right direction. So we've extracted all the other cannabinoids other than CBD, and this is in our pro line. There's four products now in our pro line. We're actually about to launch a fifth product in the next couple of weeks. I don't know when this oh. podcast is coming out, but by the um, time it comes out, we'll have one more product. Well, this podcast um, will be out on Thursday, April 9th. So will the products be out yet? So I would say one more week after that. Okay. So you guys yeah. keep an eye out. They will be launched next week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so right now, currently, we have four products. We have two ingestibles and two topicals. The okay. two ingestibles are soft gel capsules, and then we have gummies. And those work basically in the same exact way. It's just a matter of preference. Gummies obviously are delicious. They're, you know, <laughs> a nice little snack. Um, gummies are like, you know, the highest selling um, product on the market. So we definitely had to have a gummy in there, but ours are all natural and both the gel caps and the gummies, each one is 25 milligrams. So it's a little bit higher than what you're going to see on the market typically, because we felt like that's a really good baseline in order to feel something. Okay. Um, so when you hear people say like, Oh, I use CBD and it didn't work. There's a couple of different things that could have been going on in that situation. First of all, the hemp itself may not have been high quality hemp because there are companies that are importing hemp from other countries. And the fact is, like, we make incredible hemp here in the United States. And, you know, hemp is a plant. So if it's grown in an area with a lot of pollution or a lot of minerals in the ground, um, it's probably not going to be very good hemp. You're not going to retain a lot of the, the percentage of that cannabidiol. And the second thing is they're taking a product which is too low of a dosage. If I, it, like me personally, if I take a gummy or gel cap and it only has 10 milligrams of CBD, I'm not going to feel it. Okay. So we came to market with like a high enough dosage to where it could actually be effective. Again, because we're marketing with athletes and if it's not effective for them, then, um, the, you know, our whole strategy is kind of blown out the window. The second two products are a salve stick and massage oil. And the salve stick actually was developed with Sue Bird because she, you know, I think most people are, are familiar with a salve or a bomb and it's pretty oily and you, you kind of get your hands dirty a little bit, especially for like athletes on the, on the go, if they need to just like quickly rub their shoulder or their elbow or their, you know, knee or something, mm -hmm. they don't really want to dig into a messy salve stick or a bomb. So we made ours into a stick. It's more of a deodorant texture. So you just okay. unscrew the cap and then you just massage it on and apply it to that specific 
place that's like aching or if you have a bruise or inflammation or a scar, it's not messy. Um, keep it at room temperature because it could melt in hot places. And that is 500 milligrams. And it's got tons of other great healing herbs, arnica oil, vitamin E, calendula oil. So great other uh, whole plants in that salve stick works tremendous. It's probably like our hottest selling item for sure. And then we just launched a massage oil at the end of February. And that is a little bit higher of a price point because you're getting more. It's also 1,500 milligrams of CBD. So compared to the 500, obviously, it's much more. And again, that's an oil. Um, you know, it definitely, if you're into massages, a lot of people are like giving it to their masseuse to massage mm-hmm. it to them. It massages great. It absorbs really well into the skin. It's not messy. It's not thick. Um, it's a really good consistency. So those are our four products. And both the topicals, are not transdermal, meaning they won't get into the bloodstream. It's just a localized anti-inflammatory or pain relief option, whereas the ingestibles will get into the bloodstream, so it's more of a whole body effect. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us. I think that's going to be really educational for a lot of people because I didn't even know all of that, and, and I researched this. So I really I find that, <laughs> so I, I find that really, really helpful, um, and I think I'm going to pick up that cell stick as well. So potentially the massage. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's good. You. That was very long winded. I'm like out of breath just saying all that. But, you know, I think for us, like people that are in this industry, we skip over some of these like initial tutorial steps or educational steps. We just like assume that everybody knows. But like I said, there's still a ton of education in the marketplace that we as companies need to do a better job of for our consumers so they can make like the most informed decision on which products they need. Well, and as you said, there's still a stigma and that's really only because of a lack of education. You know, that's yeah. where all of these things, you know, kind of come from. So I think this is really helpful. So thank you. Thank you for um, yeah. giving us that response. So I'm switching gears, switching gears slightly to the business side of this. Uh, you obviously spent your life as a professional athlete and a very successful one is that as your sister is a professional athlete and a very successful one is that um, <laughs> incredible soccer player. But then you guys decided to start a business, which as someone who started a business, there's a whole bunch of things that you just don't know and won't know until you're going into it. What are some mm-hmm. obstacles you faced early on that surprised you on the business side of things? Oh, man. I mean, I would just say, like, it's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's very hard to start a business and for it to be sustainable and to not be in the red. I mean, it's, you know, I think a lot of people – look at startup life as like sexy and mm-hmm. it's like really fun exciting thing but the reality is you know you are doing everything that is required to keep that business alive and I would say 95% of it is not sexy it's in the weeds it's just day to the day-to-day operations um, can take a toll on you because you know it's like if you don't get it done it's not going to get done and especially in my partnership with my sister I mean obviously she was out winning world cups and uh, olympic gold medalists and you know so I was running the day-to-day operation with the apparel line as well as my training business and I really I went to school like my my background is science I've always been a science nerd so I got my BS I got my MS like I love science health and exercise is my jam so I loved the training portion and the science portion of it. But I would say, like, for me, I had a pretty steep learning curve with all the other things that are required to run a business, the operations, the supply chain, the accounting, the taxes, the marketing, 
all of that was just like me learning it on the fly. And, you know, it was tough for Pino SC. I think it was a lot, it was very rewarding in a lot of ways because we were essentially like making these kids lives, especially with our training clinics. Like we were just inspiring and impacting thousands of kids across the country and their parents and just making their whole life, you know? And I think that um, it's something that these kids will talk about and will remember forever. They had an opportunity to sit down with Megan Rapino and her twin sister, which I'm not like famous like Megan, but like for them, it's really cool to sit down and have like a 15, 20 minute conversation, like an intimate conversation with Megan, take the picture, um, you know, just be able to be out on the field for three hours with her. So that's really rewarding, but you know, it's running the business for five years. Like there were some hard times for sure. I mean, we never had any employees. So it was, it was just me and I had some contracted workers, um, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. It, it prepped me for Mindy. Uh, I don't think that I would be able to run a company like Mindy. I would not have been prepared for it or had the confidence to do it if it wasn't for Rapino SC. And how many people do you oversee now at Mindy? Well, I mean, there's only, there's only four of us to, like on the payroll. So there's three of us co-founders, myself, Kendra Freeman, and Brett Schwager. We started with five. We've dwindled down to three because, again, like entrepreneurial life is not for everyone. It's very stressful, um, and you have to withstand a lot. So now there's three of us, and then we have one full-time employee that's our marketing director. But then we have probably a broader network of contracted workers that I would say are about like 15 or so. So we're around 20 people all together. And I, you know, oversee all those different um, processes and silos and, you know, all that. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor. Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. So how do you feel, and this may seem kind of like a a silly question, but as you said earlier, there are no stupid questions. Uh, how do you feel, though, your time as an athlete and on a team helped to prepare you in terms of running a business, working with partners, and working as a manager? Mm-hmm. Well, I would say, um, I would say, like, the, the three things that I always tell people the three biggest learning lessons, which I think parlay into sports is like, first of all, it's really hard. It, there, it's, you have to have a certain amount of foresight, hustle, glut, you know, glutton for punishment, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's, it is definitely really tough to start a business. And um, despite all the odds, because odds, odds are that you're going to fail, especially if you're a female 
especially if you're raising money. Um, so there's definitely a lot of odds stacked against female founded companies. Um, so it's really tough. It's going to be a lot of hard work. So you have to prepare for that. But I think that translates into sports, right? Like it's, it's really hard to be a professional athlete and to train at that level and to have that level of fitness and endurance for that long. Um, I would say the second thing is you can't do everything by yourself. That's, that was something that I learned with Rapino SC. And obviously coming from the soccer world, where I play, you play on a team with 11 people. So I, I wasn't really into like solo sports. My sister and I, that wasn't ever our jam. We didn't, we didn't really enjoy it as much. We love the team aspect of soccer and basketball. We love the camaraderie. And I think that that definitely translates into my professional career because I learned quickly that like you cannot do it all yourself. You have to have a team around you. Um, and then I would say like the third thing, and I think it definitely translates into sports, especially soccer is like, you got to find the right people and put them in the right place and let them do their thing. Um, I think part of being a good manager is like giving direction, but then the other part is like getting out of the way and giving people the autonomy and the freedom to, to figure it out themselves and to be able to be empowered in that position. And that's the same with soccer. Like you would never put a goalkeeper up top or at left back, right? Like you got to put the right people in the right places to set everyone up for success. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, those are like definitely the three biggest learning lessons and they absolutely translate into sports as well in my career. And I think that last one, I just want to focus on that for a second, because I think as a manager, it's probably the hardest skill, it, especially mm -hmm. when it's your baby, it's your business, it's your idea, and you want to see it succeed because obviously no one's ever going to care about it as much as you do because it's yours and, and you created it. But that doesn't mean you can't let people do their jobs and trust that they can do them because yeah. going back to your second thing, you can't do everything by yourself and you do, have, but you do have to find the right people and let them do their thing. And sometimes you have to trust that maybe they have an idea that's different than yours and you have to let, and it's okay. It doesn't mean one's better than the other or they do something different and you have to let them do that. And I know for me personally, I find that to be the hardest thing. I think it's one of the most important things, but sometimes it's really hard to let go because it is, it's your baby. You started. Yeah, that. definitely. And I would say, you know, I, equally one of the top um, learning lessons and just something to understand in the startup world is that it's not going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And if you wait for it to be perfect, then you're going to miss your opportunity. Believe it or not, like I am definitely not a perfectionist at all. I'm, I can be really anal about certain things for sure, but I'm not a perfectionist. And I think I think I do think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with wanting things to be perfect. Um, but yeah, you just, you can't wait for things to be perfect because you're going to miss your opportunity. And I think that obviously translates in sports. Like think how many games we watched every year where like the game itself was not perfect. They did not execute the game plan the way that they, maybe they should have, but they still got the W and at the end of the day, like the results matter. It's 100% correct. They, what do we like to say in sports? It may not have been pretty, but it's in the win. It's in the win column. And they can't yeah, exactly. take that away. And I think that's actually really good life advice. You know, in life, not everything's going to be perfect, but if you're waiting for that, you could miss a lot of opportunities. So I think that mm -hmm. was a, a really excellent way to put that. Um, when you were, you're welcome. When you were starting, <laughs> um, when you were starting mending it, and even before, 
who were some of the people that inspired you? Were there other uh, athletes turned up entrepreneurs that you really wanted to learn from or just other people in the startup world that you found were, you know, taught you really good things? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, what inspires me is the mission. Um, I'm, I'm a very like passionate person. I'm a very purpose-led person. So, you know, if I'm not doing something that I don't really believe in, or that has like a long-term impact, positive impact on society or a mission, then it's really tough for me to put my eggs in those baskets. So I think for me, going through my experience with all my injuries, um, having Vicodin or Percocet be the first thing that's prescribed to me, you know, I mean, that definitely shaped me. And I also have a brother who's an addict and these pills definitely had a grip on his life and they've had a grip on so many people's lives in this country. Um, you know, I, I'd be lying if I said taking down big pharma wasn't one of my um, passions and doesn't, you know, fuel me a little bit, to be honest. Um, I think that, you know, in general, just in society, like we need to do a better job taking care of each other and championing things that are really important. And I think that the earth is really important. And I think that whole plant is really important. And I think it's really important to not stigmatize certain plants. So certain industries can, you know, grow and make money and um, championing inclusivity, equality and equity. And so I think, you know, just you couple all that together, like we built a brand that can champion a lot of different things all at once. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what fuels us at the end of the day. It's, it's not about making revenue and it's not about launching new products and finding new athletes. It's about like fulfilling the long-term mission. And we just hope to like take care of, of our people. That's really what we want to do. And eventually, you know, we want, obviously we want to create a culture within many that's fun to work for and that treats their employees well and that's fair that treats our athletes well and so we're excited to continue to hire more people um you know we want to be a company that's that's known for having a really great work environment because that's obviously really important too um so yeah it's 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 the general mission that bleeds into all of our decision makings and that fuels our fire for sure what is uh feedback that you've gotten thus far that you would say you're most proud of I would say pretty much everyone thinks that we're doing this the right way, which is um, which is really nice to hear. You know, we definitely got some initial feedback that we were taking too long to get to market and putting too much emphasis on the brand and not just getting our products out there. And you know, we're we're in a very competitive industry. There's new companies coming in every single day. Um, when we first started concepting Mindy three years ago, there really weren't like any other sports brands, maybe like one or two. Now, obviously, it's much different. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of stress and pressure on us to come to market quicker than uh, when we did, which is last August. But I think now we're seeing that the fruits of our labor was, are, are really paying off, especially like in a time like this. You can only talk about gummies and gel caps and promos and bundles for so long. Like you have to be able to engage people in a different way and in a more meaningful way. And we feel really proud of ourselves that despite some of the pressure that we were receiving, we really stuck to our guns and first and foremost wanted to create a brand that resonates with the masses um, and that champions maybe some more important things in life, you know? Mm-hmm. And so how did you find that balance between what you said earlier, 
Uh, if you wait for it to be perfect, you could miss the opportunity. But getting your brand to the place where you were like, okay, now we're ready. What, where is that balance, and and how did you find that? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think we just we have to be able to respond to current things that are happening. So even if like we roll out a campaign a little bit too soon than when we wanted, or if we launch something too soon uh, than when we wanted, or even if, like if we have a partnership that we're wanting to announce because you know, there's buzz going on in women's basketball or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, we have to be able to be nimble enough to stay on track with where our audience's focus is. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, even though it took us a little while to get to market, part of it was a little out of our control. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, like we had to wait for our supply chain to be ready. We had to wait for products to get on the shelves. So I think we would all agree that we would have done it in a little bit different way. We didn't do, we went to market with Megan Rapino, kind of launching her campaign, but we didn't do it um, in the way that we could right now. I think we wish that we could redo her campaign a little bit. Um, so, you know, it wasn't perfect, but we still were able to, you know, hold on and keep some of the integrity intact of, of our brand and our values and our mission. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like, things are not going to be perfect. That's for me as a CEO, that's not ever going to be the number one goal. Um, you know, but yeah, I just, I want us to be able to be thoughtful and for things to obviously be um, held to a certain creative standard, but we definitely always have to make sure that like we're nimble enough to stay current with what's going on. And then throughout your career and the different things that you have done, how have you balanced with Megan being business partners and being sisters and is there a point where you kind of turn it off like okay business we've done we're enough business for today now it's it's thanksgiving we're sisters now or however that works or or can you never really turn it off and did you you just have to kind of find that balance as you go i'm not sure if that sentence made complete sense but <laughs> yeah i don't know i mean i think it's something that we're still learning how to do to be honest it's getting better now that we're not in business together because mm -hmm. you know i see we were like in business together and that was, was definitely straining on our relationship at times. Um, but now that we're not in business together, we're not actually business partners. I mean, she has a stake in Mindy. She's our advisor. She's one of our athletes. But she's not running the day-to-day. -day. She's not mm -hmm. making the decisions um, anymore. And so it definitely has gotten better. But Meg and I, you know, we're both very driven. And we are both businesswomen. And we have, you know, very high standards for ourselves. And so I think... I'll just speak for myself. I mean, Megan definitely pushes me to be bigger and better than I thought imaginable. Um, and so I feel really fortunate that I have like sort of this built-in person um, and like, you know, other half in me that's pushing me to be, to be bigger. But with that comes stress for sure. And sometimes, you know, it's tough for us to just like be twins and to be sisters because we're always like talking about business or talking about like new things coming down the pipeline so yeah I guess I'm being long-winded too but I, you know it's it's an ongoing thing I think it's something that we're going to have to be attentive to you know forever I guess until we retire yeah that's probably true I think that's true and do not worry about being long-winded that's the beauty of a podcast we have all the time <laughs> and we want to learn you know we do we do want to learn the whole point of get my job is for women who work in sports, want to work in sports, and to understand all the different types of things that they can do in the industry and the ways to navigate it. So I appreciate the long thought out answers because 
that's how we're all going to learn and be able to take the advice that works for us and all that kind of stuff. So we appreciate it here at Get My Job. So you can talk forever. Okay. Okay, <laughs> I won't feel bad about it. No, no, don't feel bad about it at all. Uh, this is kind of a, a funny question, not funny, haha. But is there a criticism that you received early on? It could have been when you were young, first starting out in soccer, later in career, your career, or in business, that at the time was tough to take, but really helped to shape who you are today. Ooh. Um. Well. I would say, I mean, one thing that definitely shaped me in my collegiate career, I was like severely anemic. And for those of you who don't know what anemia is, it's just like when you have very, very, very low iron that it starts to affect your other cell counts, hemoglobin um, and other cell counts in your body that you're not able to transport oxygen to your muscles. So obviously when you're playing an elite sport, like especially something like soccer where you run a lot, that is like it's very difficult to train and compete at that level when you're not able to get oxygen to your muscles, including the muscles that are like in your lungs too. So, you know, it was about a year and a half that we weren't able to diagnose it. And I was just like dying on the field. And I've always been a very hard worker. My mom's always told everyone that like of all the kids, you know, I was definitely like the hardest worker, which I find to be, um, I feel very proud about that. I think I get a lot of my blue collarness from my parents and just kind of roll up the sleeves and like get it, get things done that need to get done. There's no, there's no job that's too small for me or too big. Um, but during that time, it was really difficult because my identity has always been like, you know, I'm, I will do anything it takes, right. To like compete and to be fit and to be, to set myself up for success. And here I am like, my first year and a half of college, I like couldn't even run. I was so far behind the pack during fitness and strength workouts. And I was just like struggling across the board, obviously mentally it was taking a toll on me. And I was kind of being looked at as um, someone who just like wasn't working hard. And so then I was having to do like extra workouts to get fit, which obviously now looking back is like the worst thing that you could do because it make my anemia worse. But um, I think that that experience really shaped me because it just felt terrible to be kind of um, viewed at as someone who was slacking and who was just like trying to get out of workouts, you know, and mm -hmm. I had a legitimate excuse, but still like psychologically at the time, during that time, like I didn't know what was going on. Nobody knew what was going on. And I definitely think that shaped me for sure. Um, I was, you know, 19, 20 years old. It was very impressionable time. And once I finally got healthy, I just never wanted to be viewed out as someone who didn't have a strong work ethic. Um, and, it, you know, it, I think it definitely carries with me now, for sure. If you could give listeners one piece of advice for starting a career in your field, what would it be? Think bigger. Think bigger. Think beyond what you think is imaginable. Um, I was just, we were just having this conversation with Sue Bird, actually, she's one of our athlete ambassadors and advisors, and we were talking about her CBA deal that they just, the WBA CB, uh, CBA deal that they just struck. Mm -hmm. And she was saying that one of the biggest obstacles in writing this new CBA was taking themselves out of the old mindset and, you know, the old parameters that they had when the first CBA went into effect. 
And I find that really interesting because I think being a woman in the business world, no matter what industry you're in, because pretty much all industries are male dominated, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And there are these parameters on women. There's these walls that are just set. And I think as a woman, you need to actively take yourself out of those walls and put yourself in a new space with no walls where the sky's the limit. Um, Because I think a lot of times us as women, like we forget that like we didn't put those walls there. We didn't put those parameters there. They're just there and they've been there for years because other people have put us in these rooms. So we need to actively take ourselves out and think way bigger than what we even know to be possible. I love that. That's, that's fantastic. And that actually answered my next question, which means we are going to go to one of my favorite things that I ask all of our guests. And that is, can you take us through a day in the life of Rachel Rapino? Oh man. Well, okay. I wake up at 3 a.m. Oh wow. And I work out at four. No, I'm just joking. I absolutely <laughs> don't wake up at 3 a.m. <laughs> well, it's funny because I, I for some reason this morning did wake up at 3 a.m. And I was like, well, this certainly won't do. So when you said that, I was like, well, I guess I can't complain if this happens again. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I actually like always, I wish that I was more of a morning person. I like envy the people who just wake up at 6 a.m. and like get up. I am not that way. Um, I'm like, I love my sleep. My bed and sleep time is like my favorite time of the day. So, um, you know, no, I'm like peeling myself away at 6.30 a.m. or 7 a.m. in the morning. You know, I'm definitely someone who um, I need like eight to nine hours of sleep a night for sure. And I love my mornings. I need at least like an hour in the morning before I start my hectic day. of just like coffee, quiet time, maybe do a little bit of like meditation, uh, you know, visualization. and then, yeah, I start my work day. I mean, right now, obviously, I'm working from home. Typically, Mindy has an office that we work in three days a week. Mondays and Fridays, we work from home. We try to, you know, keep it flexible for people. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much working all day. You know, if I'm lucky, I'll be able to escape in the middle of my day. I, I prefer to work out in the middle of my day. That way, it just, like, breaks it up a little bit. Um, but if not, I just have to do it, you know, five, six o'clock at night when I get done. I definitely think movement is incredibly important for just like overall health. So I try to move almost every day, whether it's like walking my dogs or going on a run or doing a strength workout or whatever. Right now I've been doing like in-home workouts or just running around my neighborhood. Um, I definitely try to stay fit. I wouldn't say that I'm like, psychotic about working out uh like I used to be but you know I'm I'm a pretty pretty avid mover I guess okay and then you know I would say like my sanctuary one of the places that I am able to just completely like turn off my brain and just be like really artistic is in the kitchen I love to cook I've always been really fascinated by it I come from a family of a really good chef my mom is definitely one of them um so yeah, I would say like that's that's like one of the very few places where I actually am like legitimately present. Being present like always been a very difficult thing for me. But in the kitchen, for some reason, like I just my creative juices are flowing. I'm totally present. I'm very happy there with a glass of wine and or a beer. Um, yeah, in my day with a nice meal and a glass of wine. Do you have a favorite uh, meal that you like to cook? 
Ooh, I mean, I am Italian, so I make like a homemade meat sauce that's like cut, you know, cutting up tomatoes, a bunch of different herbs, lots of basil, garlic, shallots, wine. Um, I would say like that is very good. That's definitely a go-to of ours. Um, I make a lot of soups, homemade chicken, you know, chicken in the bone uh, or vegetable broth soups. Um, those are pretty easy to make. Um, and then I love to grill, you know, I'll do like homemade marinades with chicken, um, or some seafood, throw it on the grill, saute some vegetables, some brown rice or sweet potatoes. I would say those are usually our go-tos. Okay. That all sounds delicious. Um, during, (laughs) during this time period, I've been cooking a lot more and I forgot how much I do love to cook and how therapeutic it is. Um, Mm -hmm. and during football season, as we talked about before the podcast began, I'm on a plane so often that, you know, m- much of the time I get home and it's the last thing I want to do. But during this mm-hmm. time period of all of us being at home so much more and all the time, I forgot I really do love to cook and it and I'm good at it. And it's it's just a time I agree with you could be present. And there's something very satisfying about it, too. And like sitting down and be like, I made this and it's good. And so yeah, I know. I was just going to say that actually. I was the word I was going to use is satisfying. It's very satisfying. Yes, I would. I would agree with that. Well, I so I say that I love to cook, but I am definitely um, someone who typically like. I mean, right now, obviously with COVID nineteen going on, it's very easy to meal prep. But typically, I'm like really bad at meal prepping, and I skip meals because I get so busy and. Uh, so I could be much better at fueling my body. But, you know, obviously during this time, I'm able to prep all the food that I want. <laughs> well, that's what I was actually just saying to someone yesterday. I was like, you know, it's been hard to meal prep. It's hard for me normally to meal prep because most people meal prep on Sundays. And that's not an option over here. So I'm <laughs> I'm working every Sunday, which is great. I love that. But so by the time Monday rolls around, I'm like, well, can I really meal prep on a Monday? But I'm gonna I'm gonna try very hard to be better about it. Maybe I have to meal prep on yeah, Saturday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know it's hard to. It's definitely hard when you're working full time and you're just like so busy. But you know, whatever. We do the best we can. Exactly. As you said earlier, we can't always be perfect, and we can't yes. wait for that. So I think that's fair. Uh, well, yeah, before yeah. I let you go, which I'm sorry to do because this has been awesome and I really enjoy talking to you, but um, I assume you do have a few other things to do today. But before I let you go, uh, we are going to do five fun facts. Uh, we do this the same questions every week for our guests. This started, I don't know why every week I feel the need to give people and our guests the impetus of how this began, but this started as something I do with the 49ers players where we do five fun facts and they rattle off five things about themselves that you know people would not otherwise know. But on this show, we ask everyone the same questions, which has been super cool because even with the same questions, I don't know that we've ever had the same answer on any of them twice. So um, if you are ready for them, I will just go down our list. Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Number one, what is your favorite moment in sports? Ooh, I mean, one that definitely, one of my early, like, childhood memories is, you know, Chicago Bulls versus Utah Jazz, and they, mm-hmm. they had some, like, pretty epic final games, we were the biggest Michael Jordan fans, and though that rival, rivalry definitely, like, sticks with me as a child. Okay, awesome. What is your life motto? Be your best you. So, can you say that one more time? Be your best you. 
be your best you. That is a fabulous life model. I'm going to write that down and take it with me everywhere I go. I'm going to like post, <laughs> post it that all over the place. That is a great one. Yeah. That's what we, that's what we live by for Pino SC because, you know, especially being in the sports world and dealing with youth kids, like there's so much pressure to be the best. And we just got kind of sick of it because like that, I don't know that that always needs to be the goal, but like, if you can be your best, mm-hmm. that's, the, that's like the ultimate goal, you know? That's fantastic. What is your, we talked a little bit about this before, but what is your go-to workout in a perfect world where you can do anything at any time? What would it be? Ooh, I would say I love a good high intensity workout with running intervals. I do love to run. I'm not like a distance runner, but to me, like there's no other cardio than just like running it out. That's my favorite. Um, And that clears my head the most. So I would say like, if there's a woodway treadmill and I could mix in, do like a circuit of strength work with like dumbbells, kettlebells, push-ups, pull-ups, TRX, whatever, and then go run it out for a little bit. Like that's, that is my favorite uh, situation right there. Sounds, sounds great. Uh, what is your go-to coffee order or what you make in the morning? You said you like your hour. So what, what are you sipping on in that hour? Well, I just do drip here, but my go-to coffee out is an iced Americano. Mm, I like a good iced Americano. Yeah. Sometimes a little... Sometimes a little cream, maybe a little like honey in there, but yeah, ice Americanos are my favorite. Nice. And last but not least, what is a book every woman should read? Ooh, man, that is tough. We're very hard hitting here at the Fangirl Sports Network. <laughs> a book every girl should read. For every woman, or it could be every person. I mean, it just could be like maybe a, just even a favorite book of yours that for whatever reason you would love people to read it. Oh man. I, I just did another podcast and he asked me what, what is like a defining book that I'm reading right now. And I have to say since starting Mindy, like I have, I have not been a very diligent reader. I wish that I could get back into reading. I think the last book I read was like, um, where the crawdads sing, which is a beautiful book I'm reading. It's a great book. Uh, yeah, I'm starting educated right now. My girlfriend read that. She said it's fantastic. Okay. Um, I don't know. I mean, I read Plan B. Um, that was a good book by Cheryl Strand. Okay. Um, and I read that because I I had a really good friend who was going through a really hard time, and I didn't know how to be there for her, mm-hmm. and so. I just I read that book to to like learn some tools to like how to be there for someone when they're going through a hard time because sometimes like it's awkward and you don't really know what to say you don't know if you should say anything um and that book basically was like the worst thing that you can do is to not show up and not say anything so um that was like defining for me just because uh, it was it was very personal for me and, and my friend that was going through someone. So yeah, that, you know, that was a good book. I, I learned a lot. And that sounds actually for the times we're living in right now, that sounds like an excellent book for people to read yeah. and learn the best ways to show up. So thank yeah. you. Thank you so much, Rachel. It really was awesome to have you on today. I know that I learned a lot and I'm very inspired. So it, it really was great to have you on as a guest. 
Um, thank you so much for having me. Sorry, I also need to say it's called option B, not plan B. Option um, B. Like option one, B. Yeah, option B. I want to clarify that. <laughs> That's totally fair. Um, option B is by Cheryl Sandberg. Um, that was a great book, learning how to be there for someone when you don't have the words to say. Um, anyway, but yeah, Tracy, thank you so much for having me. I hope that this was entertaining and enjoyable and maybe hopefully uh, informative. It was. It was all of those things. So great work. Great, great work. Yeah. Um, good, and good. since it was all of those things, I know you guys are going to want to subscribe to this podcast. So please do that on iTunes and leave a review. And please follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. And with that, we will talk to you next time. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.